Hi, I'm Cheryl Goldstein, EVP Member Engagement and Development here at the IAB. Welcome to IAB There, our daily live stream in which we connect the digital advertising ecosystem. Our topic today, fearlessness at work with our guest, Jennifer Willey, founder and CEO of Wet Cement. Jennifer is an expert on fearlessness. Before launching Wet Cement, Jen spent 20 plus years in the digital media industry leading sales, strategy and marketing for the likes of Verizon Media, AOL, WebMD, Yahoo, and the entertainment and media consulting arm of PwC. Before that, she learned a thing or two about fearlessness, storytelling, and engaging an audience as a former television news anchor and journalist. Jen launched Wet Cement in 2017, which supports business growth by training teams in sales, communication and marketing strategy, customizing leadership development and gender equality programs and driving bottom line results through business innovation. The company's range of expertise encompasses a wide variety of industries disciplines from technology, digital media, health and wellness to advertising, marketing and communications. Please welcome Jen Willey. Hello there, Cheryl. How are hey, you? Hey, Jen. So great to see you. I love having you here today. Well, so I'm Jen, let's let's start with the name Wet Cement. Where did that come from? Well, it is not concrete or construction, which <laughs> some people think sometimes, but it is about being able to make your mark and make the impression that you want to last. So just like when you have actual wet cement when you're walking down the street, there's a limited window of time where you can make a mark. But once you do, that will be there forever. And so we wanna help mm. people take advantage of these moments in life when they get to decide what mark are they making, just like where the moment we're in right now. Yeah, so that first impression really last. So it's really hard to take that back. And that's the idea. I love that. There's, there's a wealth of research around what's called thin slices, which is the amount of time and initial impression of how long it takes for someone to decide what they think of you. And absolutely five minutes, uh, but it goes down to two to five seconds that wow. people can decide what is going to be the outcome and being correct. Wow, that's incredible, like that fast. And once it's done, it's hard to take it back. That first impression is only once. That's exactly right. So I love that you're an expert in fearlessness because if, we, if there's ever been a time where we are surrounded by uncertainty and reason to be fearful, it's now. So how do we go from fearful to fearless? What's your approach? Well, the reason why I devote my life to this now is I suffered so many times throughout my entire career around managing the fears that I had. And I finally said, if I took the passion and excitement that I have around making a difference in the digital media industry and actually put that towards research and understanding what research is out there to make this easier for people to know what tools and techniques and strategies they can use so that we can innovate and we can do more, that's a better use of my time that I get on earth here. Uh, and so mm. one of the easiest things that everyone can keep in mind is that anything can be seen as a stressful stimulus that makes us feel that sense of fear. Whether it is 
a roller coaster or doing a jigsaw puzzle or trying to navigate through the current crisis that we're in right now, you can see that either as you stress, which is positive stress that most people don't even realize you can look at it as, or distress, which is negative stress. So we normally think anything that gives us a little bit of that sense of fear is a negative thing. But once mm. you recognize that you can view it as a threat or a challenge, then that changes everything. Because once you see it as you stress and say, hmm, okay, this is a challenge. What is the plan I'm going to put into place? How can I solve this? How can I overcome this? You actually, research shows that you will have better performance as opposed to on the distress side, and you view this as a threat, and you're not sure if you have the resources to overcome it, your body will produce cortisol, not a good thing. Uh, you will have other kinds of physiological responses, like even the rate of blood flow throughout your body. So it starts with the mindset is what you're saying, right? So you could look at something that is fearful and let it create a lot of anxiety and stress, or you can look at that and find a way to harness it and actually have it serve as a, like a superpower in a way. That's exactly right. So you can take what used to be your kryptonite and say, oh, okay, I am detecting kryptonite. I am going to flip my brain and get into that mode of how am I going to view this as a challenge that I can overcome. And what are the, you've come up with a process for doing this, your five fearless steps. Tell us how that works. Sure. So as we started trying to really understand the science behind fearlessness and what each one of us can be doing on a regular basis to achieve our potential, we started off with doing a landscape analysis of all of the academic literature of the last century, essentially. And then we coupled that with original research that we did around fearlessness in the professional setting. So for those of us who were working in the corporate world or entrepreneurs, and what were some of those things that held us back from achieving our potential? And what we found are there are these five fearless fundamentals. And once you can recognize what are some of those things that you're doing that may hold yourself back, versus what can you do to propel yourself forward, it starts to become game-changing. So those five fearless fundamentals we always focus on are certainly connection. So who are you connecting with and how are you doing that to move your mission forward? Control, so recognizing just like we were talking about as it relates to stress and fear that you can control how you respond to that. Confidence, which is at the core of everything that we do courage of putting those plans that you come up with into action and dealing with some of the difficult conversations and tough things that you may face. So using that earlier example, if one of the things that stresses you out or that you have fear around is negotiating, well, then it's the courage of coming up with a plan of how am I going to learn those basic skills of negotiation and then taking the time and effort to put that into practice. And then finally, communication. So we see that uh, so often that we have these great ideas in our head, but we don't let it come out of our mouth. And that's when uh, we, we keep it inside. And so being able to communicate as a fearless leader can make all the difference in the world in your success. So these are your five steps 
And so uh, we, you do workshops around this. In fact, you're going to be doing one with us where you do a deeper dive into each one of these steps. That's absolutely right. And I'm so excited. We're launching the program for the first time with the IAB. Uh, we'll be doing a free preview session uh, coming up in about two weeks. And what we'll be doing from there is then a five-part series where in each one of these, we are going to delve really deep into the insights behind it, the inspiration of what you can do, and then how do you take action? And so we'll be working together as a group. We'll also have lots of exercises where you'll be doing individual work to really solve these problems on your own. And then we'll also be doing breakout sessions so that we can bring awesome. our collective intelligence together and creativity. And guess what? Make some new connections along the way. Well, if there was ever a time where we needed to take fear and have it work for us instead of paralyze us, it's now, right? That is absolutely so the, the other thing I want to touch on, you do a lot of work um, with Japan, in Japan and Japanese companies, and you've picked up a lot of great techniques and philosophies that are based on how to find your purpose. And, and one of them is called, and I hope I get this right, Ikigai. Ikigai. Uh, all right, I'm proud of myself for that one. Can you explain a little bit? I'm fascinated by that philosophy and how to find your purpose. Tell us a little bit about that. Um, what does that mean? Sure. Uh, so Ikigai is essentially in, in the U.S., we would call this your reason for being or your sense of purpose. And uh, it was actually popularized in the United States based on an analysis by Dan Buettner in the Blue Zones of trying to find those places on earth where people live the longest and healthiest. And as I learned about Ikigai through the Blue Zones and then started the work that we've been doing in Japan with Advanced Women at Work Japan, it became so clear that this is what makes people so different there than here. And that is not only do they try to identify identify across these four dimensions, it completely shifts their perspective about work. Because when mm -hmm. you can find something that meets all four of these criteria, which is what is it that you love? What is it that you're good at? What you can be paid for and what the world needs, then you don't really ever need to retire. And so that's why mm -hmm. in Japan, so many people will work and they, they don't even have a word in English for retirement because they just want to keep working and doing and making the impact that's filling for them their entire life. And again, you know, as we talked about Cheryl earlier, this is one of those places I was a failure on this front for a while because mm -hmm. I was not meeting all four of these criteria for a while. I felt like I could get paid well in this industry and I was doing interesting work. Uh, but two of those areas of what I loved and what the world needed, I was not firing on all cylinders. And once I was able to find my Ikigai, it was life-changing. Now, how balanced does this need to be? Like, do you look at this and say, what's more important to me? Is it the making money piece? Is it making a difference? Or as long as you're checking the box in each one of those areas, you'll find peace and happiness in so, your career. It's an interesting question. I don't know the exact formula, but I will <laughs> tell you this. I think for all of us, if you start thinking through this lens and then pulling in those people in your life who care about you, as well as those colleagues you may have who serve as mentors or peer mentors or allies, or even your mentees or proteges and start talking about this, mm 
you can find ways to fire on all cylinders. So I'll give you an example. I was talking to a marketing leader at one of the big media companies, and she was saying she's thinking about leaving her job. She has a great job, a company she loves, working on marketing for children's programming. She said, I really want to work, though, for a nonprofit because I feel like I want to do something that's mm. even more purpose-driven. So mm. in that conversation, I said, well, what if, because that's what's so important to you, rather than throwing out the baby with the bathwater, is there a way to start coming up with some purpose-driven marketing programs for the kinds of companies that you're working on or working with some of the brands and characters that you represent that can start to fulfill that need for you, but do it in a place where you can be paid and mm. where you love the people you work with and you have the experience, And but shift how you're thinking about that. And it may start off as step one, as a passion project or something that right. you're testing out or piloting. And then fast forward a few years, that may become your full-time job. And I've seen that happen. I think people don't spend enough time thinking about all of those four. They, they get stuck in, well, this is gonna pay me more. It's a bigger title, or maybe it's more flexibility, which is what's important to me now. And they focus on maybe one or two things and don't look at the whole thing and then wonder why a year or two later, why they're not happy in their career. So I love this approach. And it seems to me like now in this virtual world, so much innovation around job creation is going to be possible. Like now is the time to be saying, what if, what if I could do this virtually, you know, or what if I added this piece into the puzzle, which didn't seem possible before, but now so many things are changing. And I think it opens a lot of doors. Absolutely right. And if you look at research on companies who were able to thrive through the 2008 financial economic crisis, mm crisis then. It was companies that focused on being diverse and inclusive of different ideas and then use that as a way to innovate through that time. And so by bringing new, fresh thinking, especially around something that you're really passionate about to the table, this is actually the time to do it because we are yeah. now creating that next new normal. And so take the time to invest in yourself and where you want to go and bring those things to the table. I think people who have stopped themselves before, maybe because they have some kind of disability or something where they've said, oh, they'll never hire me or I, I would never be able to get a job here, here, here because it's hard for me to commute. Now need to think differently. Like now is the time to actually go through this exercise and imagine what's possible for you because as we could see, it's possible to do, you know, all kinds of things we never thought we could do. Absolutely. Anything is possible right now. And all of those stories that we tell ourselves in our head of why yeah. we can't do it, they're not mm -hmm. real anymore. They're not accurate. Some of them may have been true. Most of them are limiting beliefs that are totally. Yes. Different. Limiting beliefs. Right. But we just keep telling ourselves these same bad stories over and over without any evidence behind it. But mm -hmm. now you just have to throw that out. Like, it's almost like if you took your old set of books that when you were in middle school and you finally got through and said, you know what, this is not relevant for me anymore. I am an adult. Right. I am donating these to somebody else. And now I'm going to focus on what's coming next. So, so take those fears, push them aside, get up the courage, use your ikigai plan, right? And go for it. That's what you're saying.
That's go exactly for it. right. And because even where you are right now, they may not go for it on day one. They right. may a week or two from now. And that's because we're constantly shifting. Or it may be other places that are looking for creative thinkers and innovators mm -hmm. like all of you out there that now, just as you had mentioned, Cheryl, if you live in Tulsa, Oklahoma, but the kinds of companies you wanted to work for were in the Bay Area, well, it doesn't matter anymore. So yeah, now you go do that. So we talked a little bit about how our needs have changed. And I know you do a lot of work around Maslow's hierarchy. Let's talk a little bit about what that shift is. How have our needs changed? Man, we have changed a lot. And if, <laughs> if, if your, your wonderful team at the IAB pull up that image, for those of you who are not familiar with the Maslow's hierarchy of needs or who have not seen it since Psychology 101 in college, uh, it is a reminder of the different levels of needs that we have as human beings. So starting at the very basic levels of those physiological needs like air, water, food, and guess what? Excretion is on that list, which is why we all feel like we got to run out and buy toilet paper because most of us, especially in this industry, we have the most high level thinkers in the interactive industry. Now, I'm so proud to be a part of this for decades now, but most of us are operating up higher up there of esteem and self-actualization, which is really about the like, I wanna be the most that I can possibly be. I'm focused on creativity and innovation. And that's where people in this industry have been operating. But now when the pandemic happens, it is like you have pulled out the rug from underneath you. And it's like you've fallen to the bottom of the list of needs, hence going crazy for toilet paper and paper towels. And so now how I'm seeing this is it's like with each passing week and month, what ends up happening and why everybody's shifting and constantly new sets of emotions that we're dealing with, it's almost like you're climbing back up that hierarchy of needs and getting to new levels again. But this is part of why so many of us are messed up from this pandemic because you're mm. used to being somebody who's operating in self-actualization mode. And now you're really struggling with all of the different levels of where you're going through. And it seems like different city needs, different what it means to feel love and belong somewhere. And our self-actualization is gonna be different. Like what we've thought about ourselves before I think we're all going through this retreat and discovering new things about ourselves right now. So it's like you're going back, retrenching, almost rethinking, what is my hierarchy of needs? And it's just not the same pyramid that it was before. I, I think you're absolutely right. I think if this was, uh, if you could do a time lapse of what your hierarchy of needs would have looked like six months ago versus two months ago versus now versus where you will be six months or a year from now, it'll be entirely different. And I almost feel like we all need to take the entrepreneur mindset in the mm. landscape that we're in right now, which is when you first start a business, what your vision for what it will be and what it will likely be two years from now almost always shifts. That was the best advice I got yeah. from my attorney when I started. And so if we all take that mindset of, okay, I don't know what the future looks like just yet, just like a picture that's slightly pixelated and being okay with that and say, but I will, I will tack as I go and figure it out. Mm. 
So your plan is it doesn't have to be perfect. You have to be willing to be flexible and ebb and flow as things change. So it's almost like it's a constant improvement. You know, like, okay, I thought this, but now this is happening. Maybe a new opportunity that takes you into a different direction. That's exactly right. We always teach the 80% rule. So get mm. out of your mind that anything should be 100% or move away from being the perfectionist. Because first of all, that doesn't even allow you to give yourself time to look at what are the do-overs in your life and how can you do things better and how can you shift? So at this point, use the 80% rule. Once you're 80% there and know that this is a place that you want to go or something you want to, again, do to move your mission forward, go for it. And just know that it's not perfect, but that you'll continually look at it and iterate. So speaking of which, someone asked do-overs, someone did ask in the chat about, is it possible to change that first impression? So we talked a little bit at the very beginning about the wet cement, that impression is made very quickly in seconds. How do you, what are some strategies for changing that perception? Do you get a second chance? Well, well, the first thing you'd have to know is whether or not you made a bad first impression or the impression right. that you made. So the advice for this and everything in life is, is you have to ask questions. And mm. most of us are such perfectionists and fear failure so much that all too often people do not ask meaningful, tangible questions when they're talking to anyone. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and that's got to shift. There's a lot of what we teach on the communication front are tag questions. So it's so common now at work that people, you know, talk, 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 and then say, make sense. And then they mm -hmm. talk, 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 or got it or right. And you want to shift away from that and really get into this mindset of asking open-ended application questions when you're talking mm -hmm. with people so you can understand what their perspective is. What's their perception? How do they hear from you? How are they going to use that? If you talked about three things in a pitch that you're doing, uh, what of those three things are they most excited about? What's most helpful yeah. for them? What's least? But because we get into this perfectionist mindset where, again, that fear of failing, we think mm -hmm. we're going to get a question that we don't know how to answer. So we don't want to get the question. Yeah. And so and feedback is a gift, right? I mean, you and I've always said that, that I always love asking at the end of a meeting, so what did we do well? Start with a positive. Or if I'm doing a postmortem with my team, what did we do well? Let's find the good things. And then what could we have done better? There's always room for improvement. And if you do it that way, really allow people to be honest with you. You know, I really would be willing to share. And then you use that feedback to keep improving continuous improvement. That's exactly right. And, and staying away from the questions of um, how, how can I help or um, trying or, or do you need help or could we do something better? And actually getting it to a place where, where you're saying like, what are the top three things that we could be doing better so that they really have to think. And then from there, you can dig in more and figure out, uh-oh, which is the biggest problem that we're dealing with. Mm. Yeah, you do a lot of great coaching for sales, uh, sales people, sales leaders. What are a couple of tips in this virtual world to connect with people, you know, through this screen? Do you have a couple quick tips that we could share? Sure. So 
absolutely people need to get thoughtful about how they're showing up for meetings. So I love the fact that so many companies are hosting town halls or they're having their happy hours to bring everyone together, but you have got to find ways to engage your audience. And so you can do that in a number of different ways. First and foremost, you can think about what question am I gonna ask where you'll say, uh, you know, if anybody in the room feels the same way, give me a thumbs up in the chat or let me know this in the chat. So you've got the chat piece of it. You also have the ability to use polls to give everybody a voice. And mm. we've talked about this, Cheryl. I'm a very yep. big believer, but it does take time and forethought. You have to take the time in advance of what kind of question do I want to ask that will be meaningful and actually build it out in whatever video conferencing platform you use, like a Zoom or you can use one of my favorite um, data visualization technologies that's relatively inexpensive is Mentimeter. You can check it out. Mm -hmm. It's at menti.com, which is a fun way to get everybody weighing in and feeling like they are a part of something. And then you can also use the very simple tool of gestures or nonverbal communication. So you say, okay, if anybody agrees, give me a little woot woot or, you know, hands up or a thumbs up or whatever it might be. So people can see and feel that they're all a part of it. I love that. It's especially important to make everyone feel included. So doing little tips like everyone show me with your thumb or show me with your fingers, right off the bat, you're getting everybody engaged in the conversation, which is so important. I love that. Okay. Well, we're almost out of time. I love ending my sessions with what I call wows, words of wisdom. And we'll do this in a stop start format. So I'm gonna throw something out and you'll tell me one thing that they should stop doing and maybe something they should start doing. Now you do a lot of work with gender equality. So why don't we start with some tips for young women who are maybe starting off in their career, what should they stop doing and what should they start doing? Okay, the, the first thing that young women starting in their career, as well as any woman or who may feel this way, is to stop being so hard on yourself and mm. stop constant talk about how terrible you are and how you're a failure uh, and again, I am totally guilty of this and I now have to constantly self-coach myself out of it. But at the things that we tell ourselves, we would never let somebody move into our house or apartment or quarantine with a person who is so negative to us to treat us like that. But we'll say these terrible things to ourselves. So give yourself a little test. If someone said to your best friend, what you are saying to yourself, how would you react if somebody said that to your best friend or your sister or your daughter or your wife? How would you react? And if you would have a visceral response, stop saying that to yourself and start. I think that is so smart because women, we are the worst with ourselves, but Lord have mercy. If you say anything about my kid, my best friend, right? We are the first to come to their aid. So I think that is amazing. Um, wow, words of wisdom. Okay, how about for all of us working virtually at home, living on Zoom calls, what should we stop doing? What should we start doing? Uh, well, certainly we wanna be conscious of how we're communicating with each other. Um, two things that come to mind. First of all, let's please have a few less happy hours where it's like, bring your quarantini with you. And don't get me wrong, I am not anti-drinking, love it myself. But let's start having fewer happy hours where everybody feels like they need to be drinking 
or for the working parents who also have to manage the kids and make dinner, feel like they're left out of it sometimes because it's only at that time where they have to get dinner. And let's think instead of happy hours as happiness hours. How can we put Ooh, I like that. at some time during the day, not always at you know five, six, seven o'clock where everyone can be a part of it and you don't have to have a cocktail, uh, but you can just focus on what brings you happiness. I love that. I mean, I've been every week I get invited to some and I'm starting to drink at 4.30. It's getting earlier and earlier all the time. It's like, oh my God, it's only 4.30 and it's a quarantini already. Anyway, again, great advice. Okay, now in honor of Mother's Day, for the moms who, like yourself, who have kids at home and you are now teacher, you're also working, in your case, you're running your own business. Um, what's a stop doing and a start doing in honor of our mothers who are trying to do it all right now? Okay, so we need to stop feeling like we need to be locked in a room or somewhere quiet for 18 hours a day to prove that we're working. And we need to start mm -hmm. taking time for ourselves to refresh and recharge and for our family to find a little fun during the day because we are, that is one of the beauties and blessings of mm -hmm. working from home is that, you know, you can find 1130 to noon or whatever that time is to say, you know what, I don't, I, I'm either blocking this time on my calendar. And if obviously something more important comes up, I'll shift the time around, but time blocking for fun, time blocking for playing basketball with your kids or doing an arts and crafts project or pulling them into making cupcakes together or something for your children that's fun during the day. And then also for yourself, time blocking a separate time that's recharging for you because self-care is so important during this time and it's always the last on the list. I love that. Jennifer Willie, wow, wow, wow. Great words of wisdom as always. You're amazing. Looking forward to doing these programs with you. Thank you, Thank you so much for joining us today. Always and a pleasure to have time with you. Thank you, Cheryl, and all of the folks at the IAB. We'll see you soon. Great. Okay. Thank you, Jennifer. We are excited to announce brand new IAB learning and development courses for all business professionals. And you could see some of the upcoming trainings that we have, including our fearless strategies with Jennifer on May 28th. Our classes are designed for professionals of all levels. This is maybe a good time to brush up on your digital knowledge or hone your leadership skills. We encourage you to check out a free class or sign up for a series. We have a mix of classes for personal growth, leadership training, digital media, and more delivered in a variety of formats by seasoned industry experts. Next Tuesday, May 19th from four to five Eastern time, we're offering a free preview of Jen Willie's Fearless Strategies for Professional Growth. The virtual five-part series explores the five fearless strategies, confidence, communication, connections, control, and courage. You could go to iab.com slash events to register. And on tomorrow's IAB there, we are excited to welcome Randy Goldberg, co-founder of Bombas Socks, to discuss how brands are navigating the current crisis while also planning for an uncertain future. IAB there is a production of the Interactive Advertising Bureau. Our show today was produced by Connor Healy, Joe Ounce, John Ward, and Twafika Mohanenden. I'm Cheryl Goldstein. Thanks for watching. 
Come back tomorrow because if it's 2 p.m. Eastern on a weekday, you know it's time to IAB there. Thank you and have a great day.